Well, welcome. I wasn't sure I was going to make it up here in time, honestly. <laughs> but it's great to be here this morning talking with you. And whether you're online or whether you're here in person, I just want to thank you for being here. But before I go any further, I wanted to stop and just thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, we had a personal health crisis in my life a couple months ago, and your support and love that was just outpoured from this church made all the difference in the world for us. And I cannot thank you enough for that. It was amazing, and um, I'm so grateful that by God's grace and his power, I get to stand before you today and share about what he's laid on my heart about the topic that we're going to be diving into today. I mean, how good has it been so far to be in God's house worshiping him? Amen? Amen. He has been showing up in an awesome way, and I want him to do the same in the midst of this time that we're sharing right now as I, I start to bring things out. So let's, let's go before him again and seek his face as we start to enter into this time of hopefully encouragement and teaching. God, I thank you so much that you have given us this chance to press in closer to you through your word and through this series that we're in right now. Lord, I pray that what is of you would be increased in this moment and what is of me would be decreased. Lord, that, that we would remember and hear your words in this message and that the things are from Dan would be just quickly forgotten and thrown to the side. Lord, we love you, and we're grateful for what you want to do. Move in this time, and move in us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, we're in a series called Reboot. How many people have been at least to one of those messages before, right? Most of us. So, we, we pretty much have a good understanding of what it is. You know, we have a computer, or a phone, or an iPad, and it might break down or stop working the way we want it to, so we have to reboot it. We have to turn it on and off, and a lot of times that will fix the issue. Well, I think we have to recognize the fact, like Eric said, we've been through an unprecedented last 18 months as a church, and as people, and as families, and things that we were doing in a regular way before need to find a new way of being done in our lives. And so that's what we're doing in this series of Reboot, is we're taking spiritual topics, things that we believe are incredibly important to our lives as believers, and we're looking to try to reboot those things in the life of the church and in our lives individually. So today, we're going to be talking about the issue of revival. It's kind of exciting. I'm really looking forward to being able to share it with you this morning, and I'm going to be actually talking about um, my own personal experience with revival, especially through some of the hardships that I've been through. But before we get to there, I just want to mention a quick, really cool tidbit and some heritage that we have, too, that uh, connects to revival as a church. Well, you, if you don't know, Journey is part of the independent Christian church movement. And that movement sprang from a revival that was 220 years ago in Cane Ridge. And, and that's around Paris, Kentucky. So it's not too far away from where we are right now, actually. But 220 years ago, God may have had a movement that was inspired by the Spirit. And he reached out to over 20,000 people over a span of eight days and moved in an incredible way. And out of that came the birth of the independent Christian church, of which Journey is a part. And that time in that day and age, in the frontier as it was 220 years ago, was a godless time. It was a time when people were not turning to God, where church attendance was declining, and where people were calling what was you know, evil good, and what was good evil. And I take some encouragement from that personally, because when I look around our day and age, I see a lot of evil being called good. I see a lot of good being relabeled as evil and wrong. And so I can look back and see that God can still work in those dark times. And he can do a movement in them and in us 
that will last for another 200 years plus. So let's expand our faith today and let's get into the topic of revival and explain what that is. I think a really simple way to understand revival is that it's a way of us getting back on track with God. It's a way of us turning from what we're doing and, and accepting God's way for our life. You know, that's when we can finally come alive to who we're supposed to be. He knows us, he's our creator, and he's able to work in those things. And so as we move forward, let's continue to talk about this topic. Um, and I'm going to just share a little bit about my own personal experience, as I know many of us do have experiences with revival. Um, my experience started actually with crisis, a health crisis that I started to experience while I was on vacation. I was away, and we were, you know, out on the beach, and I thought I just had some kind of a weird sunburn. But that sunburn kept on turning into, like, this strange tingling and growing from my chest down into my legs. And as we were returning home on the final day of the trip, it actually started to affect my strength, my ability to go to the bathroom. And at that point, I knew I needed to be in the ER. It wasn't anything that, like, I could fix with aloe. <laughs> so I had to make my way to the hospital, and I found some incredible people who were, you know, uh, just medical professionals who were just doing awesome stuff. And I'm so grateful for every single one of them. But they ran me through every single test you could imagine. I had x-rays, CTs, MRIs. I had, you know, spinal taps, all sorts of things that were happening to me that were going on. But still, at the time, there were no answers. And we had to wait for some of those tests for a couple days. And it was crazy because the things that they were telling me I could have, some of those things weren't a couple days sort of situation. Some of them were like, you will be paralyzed in 24 hours for the rest of your life. Uh, some of it was like cancer in your bones or a tumor inside your spine or outside your spine. And we were trying to figure out these things, but we weren't able to really pinpoint anything. And it was a really scary time. A scary time to consider that I may not be, <laughs> I may, may not be able to live on with my family on this side of glory. You know, that I may not be able to accept the life that I thought I was going to have, where I could run and play with my kids, where I could have that daddy-daughter dance that all of us, you know, who are parents think about. And in that moment, which should have been the worst day, if not one of the worst days in my life, God met me. He met me in the most powerful way. <laughs> A way that I had known about, but I hadn't truly experienced with the kind of same power and incredible support that only he can offer. You know, the Bible talks about something called a peace that passes all understanding. It's in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. And I'm going to read that verse for us right now. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand, and do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, I was in that hospital bed, unable to move, unable to go ahead and control my future, but yet when I was centered in Christ, and Christ alone, because nothing else was secure, I found a sufficiency in him that wasn't offered by any of the blessings that were suddenly being taken away from me. And what I realized was, 
I was allowing myself to live without the true benefit of the greatest blessing that I have in my life. And that's my relationship with Christ. You see, all those things that I was holding in addition to Christ in my grasp, those things that I thought were mine, even my ability to move, you know, my ability to be here and work in this job, to be able to stand here and, and serve Jesus and serve you all, you know, the, have the family that I wanted and the future that I expected with them, all those things, if I allow them to, to even just come and, and, and equal my devotion and my relationship with Christ, it's going to throw my foundation of my life out of whack. Because none of those things are secure enough for me to be able to build my life off of them outside of Christ. And when I do choose to build my life off of Christ, as a side note, I'm going to be better able to manage and steward those blessings in my life than I could do otherwise. So in the midst of my recovery, as I was experiencing God's blessing and the doctors were starting to take horrible possibility after horrible possibility off the table, I just found myself hearing from God as he was talking to me and saying in my quiet times, not like an like audible voice, but that felt voice of God. Dan, is this going to be a footnote in your story? Or is this going to be a turning point? Because the reality is, far too often for so many of us, revival fades, doesn't it? We'll have this moment where we come and we turn our lives over to God and we have this realization of allowing ourselves to miss out on what he has for us in some way. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of the hustle and bustle, as we leave these, these meetings that we have together, these services, we allow ourselves to be distracted and fall right back into the old patterns of life that we had, don't we? And in the midst of that, we're, we, we end up robbing ourselves of what is the only thing that can truly fill us, and that's Christ. But when we keep him where he needs to be, instead of committing you know, an idolatry of placing other things as our main source in our life, we're able to have the strength that we need to move on and to grow and to be able to allow that revival to become part of who we are. But it's a battle. I'm experiencing it right now. I don't stand before you in perfect you know, uh, revival state myself. I'm fighting for that. You know, I'm scratching for that. Because already with the responsibilities and, you know, the things that I'm able to do, even though I'm not fully recovered, I'm able to do a lot. And so all those things want to come in and take the place of Christ. They want to come in and distract me from him. And what I've realized in the midst of trying to just dissect what allows us to take these blessings or these troubles that we face and have them basically dethrone Jesus in our lives, what I think it's come down to is a control problem that you and I have. A problem where we want what we want, not necessarily what God wants. And it may be something that's subconscious, it's just part of who we are in our flesh. It may be something that we're struggling with, something that he's called us to. But the truth is, when it comes to God, we a lot of times just want to have the final say. Because we feel like, ultimately, we know what's best in and of ourselves. You know, we may allow him to go ahead and work on some problematic issue in our lives, but the reality is, we're asking him to use his power as awesome creator to change that one issue 
and to leave us the way that we want to be. <laughs> leave us as we were. But you know, God's not going to show up and just fix one small issue in us if we're unwilling to surrender all of ourselves to him. He's not going to go ahead and encourage that kind of stubbornness or that kind of, you know, um, unwillingness to give over those selfish desires that we have. That will make us unwilling to surrender to him. But if we're willing to give him control and surrender everything that we have to him, he's willing to come and give us a revival in our own lives and as a church that's greater than we could possibly imagine. You know, all these things sound great, and it's easy to talk about surrender and being willing to do that, but it's hard to practically find a way to keep revival from fading. So I really wanted to leave us with some things that I thought would set us up to not, um, to not be stuck losing what God's done in our lives, to not be stuck allowing revival to fade. I want us to be able to reboot revival. And so I'm going to share a couple things that I think we need to do in order to have that happen. The first of them is that we need to keep the spotlight where it should be, and that's on Jesus. You know, it's so easy for us as a church and as leaders to go ahead and get in the way of this. In fact, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 3, 4 through 7. He says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believe. Excuse me, servants through whom you believed, and the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So when we're here together, there should be no one or no thing that allows us to take our eyes off of Christ. But it's so easy for us to get lured by inspiring messages, inspiring teachers, inspiring worship leaders. I know personally, someone that I have a struggle with a little bit in the midst of it, is Francis Chan. The life that he's led, all that he's turned away for God's sake and his call in his life. The things that he says that just inspire me into relationship with Christ. It's easy for me to get wrapped up in him instead of remembering that it's only the work of Christ in him and the work of the Holy Spirit that have anything that I truly need. And you know, that's true of me. It's true of anyone who's up here on the worship team. Any one of us. The only thing that I have to offer you that's going to help you in any real way is from outside of me and in Christ. And so I want to encourage us to remember that people are frail. If I haven't already, honestly, there's a good chance that I'm going to fail you. Not because I'm trying to, but just because I'm human and I'm imperfect and our expectations are always so high. So don't look to me and put your faith and trust in me. Look to Christ. And like Paul said, follow me only as I follow Christ. Let's look to Jesus together. Let's keep him as our focus because he's the real source for all of us. And if we allow someone to come in the way of that, then we can fall victim to their fall or to their imperfection and allow that to reflect on a God who will never let us down. So that's the first thing. We need to be able to go ahead and focus on God to be able to truly live out revival. And that focus needs to be not just within these walls. It needs to go outside of these walls. It needs to be something greater than just what we're facing 
you know, in these times together. It needs to be a part of our lives on a regular basis. And that leads us to the second thing that we need to focus on. And that's creating quality time with Jesus on a daily basis. Now, I'm not talking about carving out an hour. I know a lot of us can't do that. If you can, great. That's awesome. But what we need is just continual time in the presence of God outside of this place on a daily basis with him. And you don't have to just take it from me. You can also take it from Christ, who modeled this for us. One of the many times that he did was in Mark 135, where it says, It was very early in the morning and still dark. Jesus got up and left the house. He went to a place where he could be alone. There he prayed. You know, I want to imagine just together for a second, just to put this in perspective, because I feel like we don't give our time with the Lord its due. Me and you. Imagine for a second your favorite athlete, your favorite celebrity, actress, author, writer, politician. Maybe not politician, um, but, you know, imagine that person that, that you are inspired by, that you think they've got something really locked down well, and you want, you just admire them a lot. Is there really any time that you wouldn't be willing to meet with that person? Any time of the day. If they're really this inspiring author that you're so enamored with, or this actress or celebrity or athlete. I think all of us would pretty much wake up at any hour of the day if we had a chance to go meet this person that had truly inspired us. Now imagine for a second that you only have 15 minutes to meet with that person. And you're so excited as you meet with them that you just keep on talking. Maybe you're reading like a statement that they made or an excerpt from their book. And you get to the end of that time and that person has to leave. And you've never asked them a question. You've never given them a chance to speak to you personally and talk with you. That is what so many of us do with God. Can you imagine the disappointment you would have in yourself after that opportunity that you had was missed? Guys, we're missing so much. We're leaving so much on the table when it comes to the Holy Spirit and our times alone with him every day. So we need to take that time, but it needs to be quality time as well. In fact, I want to read a couple of verses that are going to talk about what the Holy Spirit does. The first one I'm going to share with you right now is John 16, 13. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. We have a direct line into God to be able to hear from what he has to say is to guide us, to bring us into where we need to be. How many of us struggle with decisions that we have to make? How many of us struggle with the direction of our lives at times when trouble comes? Well, let's go to the Lord. Let's allow him to speak to us. He's the spirit of truth. Anything that we hear is gonna be in line with scripture and we're gonna be able to go ahead and mark that out. And so you don't have to worry about being told something that's just so crazy and off the board. You can find it in Scripture. And if it's not in line with Scripture, then it's not the, word, the verse, it's not his voice speaking to us. Because he's the spirit of truth. But to be able to do that, we need to listen to God in prayer. And what I'm talking about with listening to God in prayer is a little different than necessarily just sitting there in our quiet time. I'm talking about a different kind of practice. And it's one that I think Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. 
He says, rejoice in the Lord always and pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, it kind of seems like a hyperbole, you know, to say pray without ceasing. But I don't think it is. I think that the writer knows that we need to remain in God's presence. We need to remain plugged into who God is. That doesn't mean that you're stopping and that you're not doing anything else. The prayer can be as simple as, God, I'm just really frustrated right now. I'm really just upset in this moment. Can you help me? Lord, I'm just struggling with this thing that this person did. Would you help me with that? Lord, I feel overwhelmed. Would you please help me? And the Holy Spirit is looking for that. In fact, that's what he's hoping to do in our lives. In the midst of the difficulties, he wants to be the one who is able to influence us and push us towards Jesus. Because if we are not living in that constant prayer, what we're going to find is what we're left with. It's just our own sinful thoughts and desires. So when we meet temptation, when we meet difficulty, we're responding in our own ability and we end up falling into sin. And that sin becomes a stumbling block in our relationship with Christ and it starts to take us off the road of revival. But if we allow ourselves through constant prayer to be seeking God for his direction in our life, then we tap into the power that's greater than our own and we start to allow him to move and we break that cycle of regret and sin. In fact, the Holy Spirit is looking for that. In Romans 8, 26 through 28, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The Holy Spirit wants to be a part of that moment of temptation. Our inclination is to hide away in shame like Adam and Eve did. But no, we need to invite him into that place because that's where he's come to redeem, restore, and renew and give us new life. So we need to invite him into that place and hold fast to that promise that he will work together all these things for our good because that's what he wants to do. You know, we've talked about three things, keeping our focus on Jesus, keeping our time with Jesus a regular part of our lives, and then practicing that time with Jesus throughout our day through prayer. Because revival can only happen when we are truly connected into the vine. When Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches, he who remains in me will have life and life abundant That's what I want. I want a life that is abundant, that is filled with God's blessing for my life. I want that for you. I want that for our church. I want us to be ministering with a strength that's outside of ourselves. But we can only do that when we push into Christ. It's his kingdom, and it requires our surrender, our surrender of all that we have. But what we get is something we could never do on our own, something we could never create in ourselves. And so what I want to encourage you with this morning is just a, a, an encouragement to dream of what God could have for you, you know, to allow him to take control of your imagination, of your ambition, of your desires, and to push into what he could have for you, to ask him, God, what is in the way 
of you doing what you want to do in my life today. Unfortunately, I, I feel like for me and for you all, a lot of times the thing that's in his way is ourselves. You know, because that peace that I had in that hospital room was a peace that I couldn't create. And everything had to be stripped away for it. But I don't ever want to leave that place of peace with my Savior. I don't want to ever let it be threatened by the insignificant things that sometimes become so important to us in this life. I want to live in that place of strength in Christ, but it requires a high price. It requires a willingness to give up my life, my plan and my purpose for God's plan and purpose. So right now, I want to just ask you, are you willing to seek revival in your own life? Are you willing to give up what you want for what he wants? <laughs> You'll never be able to get what he can give you if you do on your own. And you'll never be able to experience the life that God truly has for you outside of that exchange. You know, this morning we're going to have a couple chairs up here. If you need to make a commitment to the Lord, if you want to seek him in that, either a first-time commitment or a commitment where you are just recommitting your life to the Lord and looking to ask him to move in revival in your heart and you want to reboot that, I'd encourage you to do so. Because there's no time like the present. We can't live for God in the future and we can't live for God in the past. But in this moment, we have a choice to make. Who will you serve? Yourself or the Lord? Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for this opportunity to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you were heard clearly. And I pray that, that the things that were from me would just be quickly forgotten again, God. But Lord, I, I ask that you would just grab hold of our hearts that you would possess our hearts and minds in such a way that, that we stop valuing things that are not eternal, that we can't truly hold on to, but that we place the ultimate value in our life on you, Jesus, and our relationship with you. Lord, I ask in this time that if there's someone in here who has not made a decision to give their life over to you, that they would have the courage to do so. But I also ask that if there's a believer here who feels like they've just allowed you to get clouded in their life about everything else that's going on, that we'd have the boldness and strength to put a line in the sand and say, God, no more. I want to walk forward in your power and in your peace, knowing that you have a plan that's far greater than I could ever have on my own. Jesus, we give you this time. We ask you to move and work. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.